Jesus is dead. Can't get any more specific than that, can you? I have a confession to make this morning. Your pastor is a skeptic. And that's a good thing. Because you don't want a pastor who hasn't wrestled with God and wrestled with the truth and wrestled with understanding that there are things that people question and have trouble understanding and working through that to come back to the faith. To understand that. Now, some people think a skeptic is someone who remains a skeptic and uh, doesn't believe anything for sure, but is always skeptical about that. But a true skeptic finds the truth, holds on to it, and when the skepticism arises, returns to the truth. And that's the kind of skeptic that you want. And that's the kind of skeptic that is healthy and necessary. Could you imagine if uh, there was never a moment in life where someone who's trying to share with you the struggles of faith never struggled? Never had questions? Never wondered if the journey was worth the effort or if God was real or, or could ever understand how sometimes we have days where God seems like He's not there. Would you be able to listen to someone who says it's always, God's always there and He's always perfect and it's always great and wonderful and life has no problems? Wouldn't be much of a skeptic there, would there? Just be someone who said, you, you know, if you're not like me, you got it wrong. But the truth is, we all have questions. We all have questions about faith. And if we don't wrestle with those as Jacob wrestled with God, then we have trouble because we never wrestle with the deeper issues of faith. Even doubting Thomas said, if I don't see, touch, feel, observe, I will not believe. But Doubting Thomas also was rewarded for his skepticism with a faith that never quit once it was settled. You know, I don't know if you've wrestled with the same questions that I have, but when I read the words of Christ, I know this. Jesus was not skeptical in His relationship with His Father. He knew who He belonged to without question, did not waver in that, but He was the only person walking the face of the earth that did not have questions. That knew without question who He belonged to and why and what His purpose was. So when He says something and He teaches, there's authority. They even said, this man teaches with authority. They don't understand that real well. But Jesus had it. And when He spoke, there was a sense of knowing and an urgency and a sense of matter-of-factness, and this is the bottom line. When He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, He wasn't saying, I'm one of them. He said, I'm the only one. There is no other. And that is bottom line. And yet other people still who are skeptical say, well, let me try other ways. Other gods. Other paths. And finally, when they get down to it, the only path that works is Jesus Christ. So no matter what else we struggle with, what we might be thinking, the fact of the matter is that Jesus Christ trumps that. Even when it doesn't seem to make sense in our situation. 
Let's look at our text today. Jesus is sent for by Lazarus' sisters. He is sick. Come, please. They wanted him to come and heal Lazarus. Jesus tarried rather than go. And yet the Scripture even says in this same chapter, Jesus loved Lazarus, but He's sick and didn't go. Almost sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? And when He heard about it, He said, this sickness is not unto death. (laughs) This sickness is not unto death. What comes next is important. But for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. That you would see God's glory if you stuck it out. If you hung in there long enough. So, he stayed two more days after Lazarus was sick, began his journey. However long it took to get the news there, and however long it took him to get back, plus those two days, Lazarus, four days, already been deceased. But he said, we're going to go. And Jesus said to the disciples, In plain words, Lazarus is dead. But the Bible doesn't contradict itself, does it? Didn't Jesus just say in verse 4, the sickness is not unto death? Lazarus is dead. (laughs) Seems final, doesn't it? You know, no hope for the dead. Unless it's Lazarus, right? Mm -hmm. Unless Jesus is your Messiah and Savior, right? But, but, but you just said this sickness isn't unto death, but for the glory of God, but now you're saying He's dead. This doesn't make any sense to a thought logical mind. Lazarus is dead. Let's go mourn Him is what they're thinking. But there are other things Jesus said when the young girl was already passed on and the mourners were gathered and, and grieving And Jesus was asked to come and He said, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. He didn't say that about Lazarus, but He said it about that young girl. And that young girl, when Jesus said that, the people mocked Him, made fun of Him, and said, she's really dead. And Jesus said, no, she's just sleeping. Jesus has an air of authority in His words. And when we don't know that what He says is the truth, we become skeptics in situations where we don't need to be. So when he gets to Mary and Martha, after Lazarus has been dead four days, he says to them, your brother will rise again. Okay, sounds good. You promised that, you know, in the resurrection, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll make sure that he rises again someday. And the disciples are watching this. And they're trying to reconcile what Jesus is saying with what they see happening. The environment of their life and experience contradicts what Jesus said. The sickness isn't unto death. Lazarus is dead. Your brother will rise again. 
This sickness isn't unto death, but he is dead. So that part is our master mistaken? What's going on, Jesus? There's something not right. And it must be because God didn't do anything and this happened. Therefore, we're going to see a dead man and one day he will resurrect from the dead. Just not today. Why? Because he's been dead four days. They believed on the third day the Spirit leaves the body and resurrection is impossible until the final resurrection. And so when Jesus begins to talk about this to His sister, she says, I know that He'll rise up in the last day. I know that. And Jesus looks at her and says, I am the resurrection. Do you not know this? Do you believe this? Listen to me. Jesus is a resurrection. No matter what you are facing, if it looks dead and gone, Jesus is the resurrection. Without Him being the resurrection, there is no hope. And when our circumstances look hopeless, it's because we've lost sight of the fact that Jesus is life and resurrection and truth. Our circumstances dictate a lot of how we feel about God. And how we understand this world. But here God's circumstances, you see this twisting of what Jesus is saying so it doesn't look true anymore. Yes, I know this is true that you're the resurrection and this sickness isn't unto death, but you just said He's dead. We even confirmed it when we said it's a sickness that He's not really uh, dead. He's just sleeping while He's resting. And Jesus says, no! That's not what I said. I said he is D E A D dead. But you just said that you'd be with him and he wasn't going to die. He didn't say that, did he? He never said Lazarus will not die. He said the sickness isn't unto death, it's unto the glory of God, if you believe. He even says to the sister on the way to the grave, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? Mm -hmm. Just hang on long enough in the belief to let the skeptical part of you fade away when you see God's glory. Because God delights in quenching the skeptical spirit in us. There was a time... Nearly 20 years ago, I believed I was at the end of the road. I had nothing that I could think of to make my life going forward make sense. I remember how I felt. I was mired in the worst depression I'd ever been in, thinking of ways to take and make sure that my life would end. I, uh, at the time in my life, there was a lot of stuff that had happened with some bad relationships I'd gotten into. I'd already given up on God for a while. Told God I was going to do things my way since His way wasn't working. 
After all, I wound up in a divorce, uh, lost pretty much everything, and I said, God, your way just doesn't work. That was the first lie I believed. The second lie I believed was, I think my way, I'll try it for a while, and I think this will work out okay. It didn't take me long to realize my way doesn't work real good. But I kept doing it and stayed in it because I was depressed, stuck, and I got to the point where I didn't care anymore. Didn't care if I lived, didn't care if I died. Uh, Through unfortunate circumstances, I was facing some uh, court time and things about stuff that I just felt totally railroaded in life. And I said, my life's over. Everything I worked for, everything I believed in is gone. It makes no sense, is what I said. It makes no logical sense for me to be alive because there's nothing I can do productive and I can't make a difference in the world anymore. I was blacklisted, black labeled, if you will, when people who saw me and knew me would walk across the street to avoid me. And I said, God, why don't they understand the truth? rather than what people are saying. And I lived with that for a long time. And when it got to the end of the road for me, I realized one thing. I had nowhere to go. Couldn't go home. I was banned from there. Couldn't go back where I was because that was a surefire invitation to the rest of my days being quickly over. And so I decided at that moment that I would ask God to end my life. I said, God, my life doesn't make any sense. And I really, really don't want to keep living it. And there's nothing I can see that makes logical sense where I'm going to get through this and i got no place to go anyway. Here was my thought. This world has enough hurt without me adding to it. I don't need to make it worse. So I prayed, God, please let me die. And for a couple of days, I would sleep and wake up and pray the prayer. And one day, a couple of days after that, I woke up and I said, God, you know, and here's where I got honest. The skeptic met the faith. I said, God, you know, I really, really don't want to die. I really actually want to live, but I can't live like this. If you cannot help me, If you cannot save me, if you cannot turn this around starting now, then let this be the end. But if you give me another day, it means you're going to do something. And you got to do it because I can't. On that day, when I asked God to take my life, I didn't have anybody to tell me, hang in there. I don't think I would have listened to them because I would have said, you just don't understand. But this week I began to reflect on that and I said, is there something somebody could have said to me at that time that would have given me some hope again for a better life or a life that was worth living? And I wrestled back and forth with that and ran across the skeptic in me saying, God can't fix this. Now, 18 years later, I'm looking back and I say, look here, 
God did it. Look what He did. He restored everything. He did more than that. And He did it in ways you just can't imagine right now. But the skeptic in me said, I don't think so. This is too big. That's when you know you're mired in a depression, in in lack of faith, and also when you believe you're at the end of the road where I thought I was. Now God did work it out in miraculous ways. I'm here. So I began to look this week for what to say to my hopeless self that would possibly make a difference because there are many who stand at those end of the roads and need to hear something. In Isaiah 43.19, the Bible tells us God's going to make a way where there seems to be none. As a matter of fact, this, this whole section of Isaiah is absolutely fantastic. But in this verse he says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? In other translations it says, Shall you not see it? In another translation it says, You shall see it. If you hang around... And he says, I will even make a road in the wilderness and show rivers in the desert. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't put rivers in the desert and you can't make road in the wilderness. It's wilderness. It's impossible. Can't do it. But God says, I will. Isaiah gives us confidence about the way God is making when there seems to be none. There are three characteristics that I've learned about that way that God is making when it seems you're at the end of the road. And the first one is, as Jesus said, the way is still narrow and straight. The road you took probably winds you around through detours and lack of faith to faith, mountains and valleys. When we picked the song, God on the Mountain, before I got here, I said, what a perfect song. Because it talks about the God of the mountain and the great points. When you're down at the bottom in the valley, He's still God. We just lose sight of it because we think our circumstances dictate God's goodness. (laughs) It does not. God is good all the time, even when life hurts. So that way, Jesus says, is narrow and straight and few find it. Wide is the way to destruction and we're looking for the easy way. And Jesus is saying sometimes life gets hard. In this world you will have tribulation and trials. But He also says, take heart, have good cheer, for I have overcome the world. He even tells us the greater is He that's in you than he that's in this world. This world can't overcome Christ in you. And that's good news. But that way is still narrow and straight. And the second thing I learned is that way, you don't know what it is. It's unknown. God knows it. He knows the plans for you to prosper you, to give you hope, a future, and expected end. But He knows it, not you. If you knew it, you'd go out and try to do it yourself. Matter of fact, we we quote Jeremiah 29.11, that verse that says, I know the plans to give you hope in a future but we forget 13 and 14, where it says, I will be found by you when you seek me with all your heart, and then I will prosper you when you look for me with all your heart. Tell a skeptic 
to get rid of the doubt and use all their heart for God instead of just part of it. God, I believe. Help my unbelief, said the father whose son kept getting thrown in the fire and and trying to destroy himself. God, I believe you can do it, but I have unbelief. I believe, but I'm a skeptic too. What can you do to get me over to hump, God? He keeps saying, the way out is not known to you. I will make the way that you cannot see, but I will do something new you do not know. Something brand new. And the third thing I've learned is that that way that God makes often comes at the end of the road. At the end of our road. At the end of the path that we're taking. And what a horrible place it can be to stand there and say, God, I'm stuck. If you're God, how did this happen? You ever heard yourself or anybody else say that? God, if you're really God, how did I get in this mess? And what are you going to do about it? You know, you need to do something. You need to do it now. And God doesn't always do that now. Because at that end of the road, just as me, 18, 19 years ago, I could not see or anticipate the way forward. I could not. I had no advocate that I knew of saved Jesus Christ. I didn't think that was enough. (laughs) I needed a person, but I had none. That place at the end of the road, you get there and you're lonely and confused. How did I get here? What am I doing here? What did I do wrong? What can I do differently to make this change? Maybe if I go to sleep and wake up, it'll just be a bad dream. I've got to tell you something. I learned this a long time ago too. Some nightmares occur while you are awake. I've had a few of those. Some of the worst moments in our lives happen not during our times of sleep in a dream, but when we wake up and see the world and it's falling down. It's a no wonder it's lonely. Because how can anybody reach in and say, I understand Here's the way forward when it doesn't even seem God can do it. It's confusing. It's broken. It's the part of us that says, God, God, if you're real, you've got to do something now. It's a place of utter desperation. And there are a lot of people who give up in that moment on God. God, you said you would, but you didn't. Are you really real? I don't believe it anymore. There are choices that we have when we get to the end of the road. You'd say, oh yeah, 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 there's choices, all right. Turn around, turn around. Should have gone a different way. Live there in shame and regret and disappointment. Or, maybe there's possibilities first one is maybe we can blaze a new trail. Maybe God's calling you to be a trailblazer. To be the first one down the path of the new road that doesn't exist yet. Maybe God's going to use you to make a way through the wilderness and irrigate a desert. Maybe. First thing you know is another thing you can do is get out of the car. 
or off the bus or off the horse because it's not going to go on a road that's no longer existent and you're going to have to get on your feet. Start walking. Start doing some heavy lifting to find the narrow straightway that only a, a person on feet can get to. Maybe there's a trail hidden somewhere in there. Oh, you can sit there and wait for road builders to come. Takes them a while to build a road and you could watch it happen. Or you could become a road builder yourself. Or maybe you can just sit there and wait. God, I'm going to wait on you. He says, wait and you'll do something. Waiting is active. You could turn around. That's an option. Or you could watch God make a way. And look for God to do something when you think He can't. I'm reminded of the story of Peter when Jesus calls him out to walk on the water. And Peter walks on the water. Incredible! Amazing! Only two people in history have done it. That's how rare it is. And it was so rare that Peter as a fisherman saw the wind and the waves, took his eyes off Jesus and began to sink. And Jesus had to pick him back up and stand him back on the water again and start walking with Jesus on the water, something we cannot do. It's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And he says to Peter, he looks at him and says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you become a skeptic? Why did you doubt? You were doing it. Why did you stop believing? And I think there are several reasons why doubt comes in. I want to share them with you. The first one is we look at the mess rather than the master. We look at our lives as a victim rather than the one who gains the victory. Or we look at the pain that we're in rather than the purpose of the pain that God has allowed us to go through. What it's teaching us. Or we look at this as the end rather than the one who created all and makes all things new. Or we look at there's nothing left in Jesus we forget to look at who says, I created this world out of nothing. Nothing is my raw material for making what is called good. We look at destruction rather than the divine deliverer. The damage rather than the rebuilder. We look at the broken pieces and don't see the moldable parts and the willingness that could be there. I know when my life was in the shambles, there was nothing I could do. The only thing I could do is say, God, if you can do something, do it. If you can't, don't. But if you can, do it. you got full access because I can't and it's all yours. So my mess, here you go. You do it. You know what God says in those moments? Why'd you wait so long? Why'd you wait till your life became a mess before you gave it to me? Why didn't you do it sooner? <laughs> it's hard to fix what we don't recognize as broken. After all, if our life's going smooth and things are well, we don't think we're broken. We, we don't need help. Why would we want God to help us with that? That's, that's comfortable. But hopeless means I have no hope. 
But it also means this. Any hope I obtain wasn't mine to create. That if I have any hope going forward, it's from God. And any new day or anything that comes out of this, God had to do because I couldn't generate it. What do you tell a hopeless person? What do you tell yourself today when you face the part of you that doesn't believe? What happens when we don't believe is we lose our identity. We lose our way and we become hopeless because we believe that God who said He could can't, won't, or is too busy. Or that there's something wrong with us that God won't do something with me. Hmm. Lazarus is dead. End of the road, right? Has to be. But yet if you read to the end of the chapter, Lazarus is alive. And God is glorified. And all the scribes and Pharisees are upset. They're saying, look, the whole world's going after Jesus. Because He brought glory unto Himself through the resurrection of Lazarus. Oh. Yeah, I forgot. Resurrection. We look at the wreckage rather than the resurrector. That's what happens to doubt. Here's what I'm trying to say this morning. We use our environment in the status of our lives or how we feel to verify and validate God's reality for us and whether faith is true. That's what we do. And it leaves us hopeless and broken. The fact of the matter is, God is at work even when you don't know it. In Romans it says, God is at work in all things to work together for the good of those who are called according to purpose and who love Him. But here's what we miss in that verse is sometimes the stuff working together for good doesn't look good. And it doesn't come together for good right away. I promise you that looking back on that, I can see God was orchestrating those days of my life and those feelings and those emotions to make me stronger in what I know is true about God. To have an understanding that He's there through thick and thin. Even when I don't believe He is, He's still there. To convict and convince me that He is who He says He is even when a part of me says, but is it true? A skeptic who becomes a believer is the most powerful kind of believer there is because they know what it's like to not believe, to not hope, and to not have a way to go. Hmm. What if a skeptic fully chooses to accept the reality of the cross and God? And I'm talking to the skeptic in each of us. What if you choose to fully accept the reality of the cross, the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ and God over a life without either one being true? What do I mean by that? If you chose to not believe, and you believe that this is all there is, like Ecclesiastes says, then we might as well eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That's what Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes. If 
there is no God. Right? But if there is, and He is who He says He is, and the cross does what the Scriptures tell us it did, and Jesus is alive and resurrected and can do the same for us, what does that tell you? It tells you it's worth everything. That there's nothing more important than that in life. That no matter what else comes along, it can't stop God. It can't stop Jesus in you and in the world around you can't defeat Him. That nothing can take it from you because the world didn't give it to you and you didn't give it to yourself. That it came from God straight to your heart that you would live it out through all the days of your life knowing it's true. Now let's put it to the skeptic test. Suppose that you give it all to God all your life and you're living for the kingdom and you're loving others and pouring out and none of it's true. What have you done but blessed others? Radically without excuse and without reason. And you've made the sacrifice. And at the end of your days, if you don't exist anymore, you haven't ruined the world. A skeptic says that's a good deal. The skeptic in me says, since God is who He says He is, and my doubts are only from me, not from Him, and I have proof that He's done what He's done because I couldn't do it, then I believe. And if I believe, then I believe all the way. You can't go halfway with God. Can't go lukewarm with, I believe, help my unbelief. You either believe God can do it and rest your life on that, or you remain a skeptic. Never changing yourself, the world, or allowing God to do the same through you. What is the end of the road? I don't know. I have no idea anymore because I don't think there is such a thing. I think there's an end of a path, a journey, a travel, but there is no end with God. Lazarus is dead. He's gone. He's no more. He's in the grave. They've already done the spices and the wrapping of the body. They even said he's going to stink. When Jesus said, roll away the stone. <laughs> I love that. The skeptic says, he's going to stink. What are you doing? And Jesus said, roll away the stone. He says, I know what he said and it's going to smell, but he said, he said, roll away the stone. He said it. I love that. I don't know if you've ever read that passage to the end of chapter 11, but when he says, take away the stone, Martha is the one who says, Lord, there's a stench for he's been dead four days. And that's when he says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you rest all you are on it, you will see God's glory. Not half believe. You have to put yourself entirely into the grace of God and His mercy and compassion and love is bestowed upon you through Christ Jesus. You can't go halfway. To believe is all in. And they took away the stone. And as we know the story, 
Lazarus was in grave clothes when he walked out. Amen. He truly was dead. But dead doesn't mean end of the road. It means that God's got a way where there seems to be no way. And no matter what you're facing in life, what you're going through, if you put all you are on Jesus, you're going to get all of Him right back. He wants to know that you love Him, trust Him, and Him alone. Why? Because He wants you to know there's nothing else out there. Nothing else works. Nothing else will do it. You can try, but it just doesn't work. The skeptic in us tries all this other stuff. It just doesn't work. And that's a good thing. Because if it worked, we wouldn't need God. No matter where you're at in your faith walk right now, be it all the way. There are no ends of the road with God. As a matter of fact, yesterday, and I want to close with this, we were at a wedding for some friends of ours, daughter, and uh, they had a Bible there. And the Bible said, for the wedding couple, the new couple, it said, please highlight your favorite verse and put your name there. And it would be their family Bible. I thought that was pretty neat. My wife and I have a verse. And that verse is out of Revelation. And that's the one we highlighted and put our name on. And this is what he says in Revelations 21.5. Behold. I make all things new. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. You are in Jesus Christ, a new creation. And the stuff around you that says it's not true is lying when you belong to Jesus. But belong all the way. Don't go halfway. It doesn't work. I tried. And in the same verse it says, And he said to me, Write, for these words, Behold, I make all things new, are true and faithful. Amen. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, I know what it's like to wonder if you're real. To, to wonder if all this life is just existence and then it's over forever. But your word says otherwise and your promises say otherwise. And when you call us to believe all the way, all that stuff fades into the background is just useless noise and we can stand firm and bold in the face of trial and death and say, I know who I have believed and I am persuaded, convinced, totally, without questioning anymore that you are able to deliver me against that day. No matter what day that might be. Of sorrow, joy, resurrection, judgment, Loneliness, brokenness, you are persuaded to keep me faithful because you are. Heavenly Father, thank you for that promise. And if there's nobody here tonight that knows what it means uh, this afternoon to be redeemed like that, 
that you grab a hold of them now with your Holy Spirit and lay the conviction of your Holy Spirit on saying, know me like that. All the way. Nothing held back. And I will hold nothing back from you. Heavenly Father, may we walk forward this morning in confidence that we belong to you and you are who you say you are. Thank you for the cross that made it possible and your resurrection that sealed it. And the Holy Spirit upon us that creates and makes all things new. Thank you. Amen.